Sabhakavato Ubhavakanama Karangaroma
in its essence and conventions. Dhammahang Bhagavanta Apipujayami Tammahang Bhagavanta Sirasanamami I chant my praise to the Blessed One. I bow my head to the Blessed One. Annamayang dhamma bituting aroma se. Now let us chant in praise of the dhamma. Yo so so akado magawadadamo. The dhamma is well expounded by the Blessed One. Sanditiko. Apparent here and now, Akaliko, timeless, Epasiko, encouraging investigation, Opanaiko, leading onwards, Bachatam Veditako to be experienced individually by the wise. Tamahang damang abhipujayami tamahang dhamma sirasanamami I chant my praise to this teaching. I bow my head to this truth. Anmayang sangha bituting aroma se. Now let us chant in praise of the sangha. Yo so supati pano magawato sawaka sango. They are the blessed one's disciples who have practiced well. Ujjupatipano bhagavato sāvaka sāngo Who have practiced directly Nyāyapatipano bhagavato sāvaka sāngo Who have practiced insightfully Samichipatipano bhagavato sāvaka sāngo Those who practice with integrity Yadidam chatari purisayugan atapurisapugala That is the purpose, the eight kinds of noble beings Esabhagavato sawaka sango. These are the blessed one's disciples. Ahuneyo, such ones are worthy of gifts. Mahuneyo, worthy of hospitality. Dakineyo, worthy of offerings. Anjali Karaniyo, worthy of respect, 
วัดุทัยวันใดตาบิสังกตังตุดัดเวชิสวัดีบุญยังมายายังมัมมาสาบุพารวะทรุดาภารักสัจกุลเอกชนมาหันตุเวทัสสะปะปะวะสิดียะเมย์ all obstacles disappear อิดะตาตาคาโตโลเกอุปันโนภารังสัมมาสัมบุตโตวานุโน things as they are has come into this world and he is an arahant a perfectly awakened being นามโมชะเดสิทนิยานิโคอุปสัมิโคปารินิปานิโคสัมมาดกามิสุกตาภเวทิโตเพื่อเฟังเวลีดิ้งเอาทอปติลูชันคามิงันดิเรคติงทูเพอร์เฟกพีสแอนลีดิ้งดูอินไลท์เอนเมนต This way he has made known, Mayandang Damang Sutawa Ewanjanama. Having heard the teaching, we know this: Jati Pidukha, Birth is Dukha, Jara Pidukha, Aging is Dukha, Maranam Pidukha. And death is dukkha, sukha paride vadukha domana subhaya sapidukha, sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief, and despair adukha, apiehi sampayoga dukha, association with the disliked is dukha. ปิเอหิเวไปโยกดุคโม separation from the light is ดุคโมยามบิจังนาลาบติทัมปิดุคโม not attaining one's wishes is ดุคโม sangite na panchu padana tanda ดุคโม In brief, the five focuses of the grasping mind are dukkha, seyatinam. These are as follows: rupupadana kano, identification with the body; vedanupadana kano, identification with feeling. Sanyupadana kando, identification with perception. Sangarupadana kando, identification with mental formations. Vinyanupadana kando, identification with consciousness. Ye sangharinaya. For the complete understanding of this, Dharmano Sobhagawa, the Blessed One in His lifetime, 
เอวังปะหุลักสาวเกวินเอติ Frequently instructed his disciples in just this way. e v a n b a g a c h a p a n a t s a b h a g a v a t o s a v a k e s u a n u s a s a n i b a h u l a p a v a t a t i In attention, t h e r instructed, Rupanganichang. The body is impermanent. Vedana anicca, feeling is impermanent. Sanya anicca, perception is impermanent. Sangara anicca, mental formations are impermanent. Vinyana anicca. Consciousness is impermanent. Rupang anatta, the body is not self. Vedana anatta, feeling is not self. Sanya anatta, perception is not self. Sangara anatta, mental formations are not self. Vinyana anatta, consciousness is not self. Savesangara anicca, all conditions are impermanent. Savedhamma anatati, there is no self in the created or the uncreated. e m a y a n g all of us. Adinamajatiyacharamaranena, abound by birth, aging, and death. Sakehi paridehi dukehi domanasehi upayasehi. By sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief, and despair. Dukhati na dukapareta, bound by dukkha and obstructed by dukkha. Apewana mimatsa kewalatsa dukkha kandatsa antakiriya panya yetati. Let us all aspire to complete freedom from suffering. Hira parini butam bidang bhagavan dang saranangata. The blessed one who long ago attained parini bana is our refuge. Dhammancha sangancha. So to other dhamma and the sangha. Tatsamagavato sasanang yata sati yata balang manasi karoma anupati pajama. Attentively we follow the pathway of that blessed one with all of our mindfulness and strength. Sasanopati pati. May then the cultivation of this practice 
Himatsa kevalatsa dukkha kandatsa anta kiriyaya sangvatatu. Lead us to the ending of every kind of suffering. Another day begins. How do we feel? Glad to be here, wishing we were somewhere else. Feel half asleep, bright, alert. just to be continually attentive to the shifting, changing currents of mood that we all experience. Taking this opportunity, beginning of each day, to set the direction for our, our efforts, our intention for the day. We make these physical ritual gestures of respect to Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha, to wisdom, to truth, to harmonious action living in the world with sensitivity, caring, compassion. This is our aspiration. Puja is 
is paying homage. Establishing our aspiration, our ideals, those qualities of our own being that we, that we wish to bring forth, we wish to empower, that we see as the, the pathway to our own happiness or fulfillment. So we voice them, crystallize them, raise them up, bow to them. This is what will bring goodness, well-being, happiness into my world, into your world. Whatever we might experience during the course of the day, selfishness, laziness, restlessness, along with insight, clarity, loving-kindness, whatever it might be that arises through the flow of the day, we have a clear direction. This is our intention. We place the triple gem at the center of the mandala. Along with setting the, the ideal of Buddha, Dharma and Sangha, verses of devotion and, and reverence, we have these verses of reflection. These two elements are, are always present within the Buddhist practice, that of, of uh, faith, trusting, having confidence in that we have the power to do good, to wake up, to be wise, the element of faith, sadha, then the element of wisdom, panya, that which looks into, analyzes, understands the very fabric of experience itself. If we have too much faith, a lot of faith and no wisdom, we become a kind of air-headed devotee. If we have wisdom and no faith, we become a, a dried-up cynic, too clever for our own good. We can understand and explain everything, but we, our heart is shriveled, miserable. But faith and wisdom are a balanced pair, like two wings of the bird. <coughs> mindfulness. Mindfulness is at the center. So along with the verses of devotion, aspiration in the morning, then we have these verses of, of uh, reflection, insight, essentially woven around anicca, dukkha, anatta.
these three different ways of analyzing experience. <coughs> now these are not uh, value judgments or metaphysical statements, but just ways that we can look at our own, our own life, our own experience. We take these phrases, we repeat them, recollect them, so they're there in our minds to refer to during the day. When you're sitting there and your mind is chattering and once it's still, you've been drifting for ages and you've only noticed, or you find yourself coughing or sneezing and you really don't want the cold. We can find ourselves struggling and thrashing and bemoaning this for a long time. And just to reflect, oh, being with the disliked, apiyehi sampayogo dukkho, being with what you don't like is dukkha. Aha, this is what I don't like, being with it. Dukkha, okay. Everything's in order. Tiehi vipa yoga dukkho. Separation from the liked is dukkha. Wanting breakfast when it's not here yet. You can spend the whole morning meditation, fantasizing what we're going to have for breakfast. Then we think, oh, it's so silly, I'm supposed to be meditating, not imagining bowls of granola and pieces of toast. We can get into a whole guilt trip while salivate, salivating simultaneously. But then just to reflect, aha, separation from what you like is dukkha. This is dukkha. Aha. Uh -huh. Everything is going according to plan. So we use these reflections as a template to measure our experience during the day. In the monastery we repeat this, these phrases every morning, every day, so that this is always to hand these very, very simple quintessential teachings. Rupang anichang, Vedana anicca, Sanya anicca, Sankara anicca, Vinyanang anichang. The body is impermanent. When you feel one of your teeth coming loose, the grey hairs seem to multiply. Yet another wrinkle has appeared. Or even just when you go to the toilet, just to notice, ah, oh, rupang anichang, the body is impermanent. It changes. Or when we get up in the morning and see our face in the mirror and think, good grief. And then we kind of wash and fix ourselves up and later in the day, we look in the mirror and see this bright, beaming, 
radiant deva looking at us. Aha. Rupang Anichang, the body changes. Kind of haggard rabbi looking out of the into the uh, into the room at us, with a half shaven creature. Aha. Turns into a radiant being, a kind of transformation occurs. Rupang Anichang. So too, feelings, perceptions, states of mind, to help us to recollect this constant presence of change, transiency, uncertainty, that is the very fabric of our experience, to keep seeing things in those terms. Or when we feel something is permanent, something is fixed, we use this as a way of reflecting on it. Is this permanent? Is this lasting? Has this always been here? Will this really be here forever? No, it can't be. So these are tools to examine experience with, not... not. Uh, principles just to believe in blindly. But we use them like levers to prize open our grip upon our perceptions, our experiences, our feelings, our ways of seeing the world. Rupang anatta, Vedana anatta, Sanya anatta, Sankara anatta, Vinyanang anatta is the body self, our feeling self, perceptions. We hear the sound of the birds waking up in the morning. Is that self? Is that my sound? A thought floats into the mind. Is that me? Is that what I am? What is the thing which is the owner? How does any body or any being own anything? Does ownership have a, a substance? What is that? How can we truly own anything? So we use these these simple phrases, take them to heart and use them to, to look at, to examine all the presumptions that we make about life. What I, what I am, what I have, what I want, what I used to be, what I'm going to be. All the I am statements, I have, I want. I wish. Any sentence that has I in it, we shouldn't trust. 
Look at that. And we take these simple statements. There is no self in the created or the uncreated. Sankara anatta. Simple phrases like this to, to look at a memory, an idea, a doubt. My problem, my big problem. Okay? There's an issue, an, an unsolved question, an unresolved conflict. But what is it that makes it me or mine? What is it that owns anything? Using these reflections to examine that very feeling of ownership, the very feeling of self. Holding up those, those feelings, those assumptions against these statements. Is this mine? Is this self? How is this self? What does that mean? So as we begin to, to really internalize these teachings, we use them to continually scrutinize, examine, at the whole array of qualities that we weave together to make my life, my world. And in these moments of reflection, when we apply those insights, what happens to our heart? When we look in the mirror and we think, good grief, I'm getting old. When we instead we think, rupang anichang, the body's impermanent. What happens is that the heart is lightened, enlightened. It's a relief. Things are according, uh, proceeding according to the laws of nature. Everything is fine. It might not match our personal ego-based wishes, but this is the way things are. They function according to the laws of nature. And that's it. So the heart feels a quality of relief, of openness, of ease in that moment. The body is not self. Feelings are not self. Perceptions, mental formations. States of consciousness. The mind becomes bright and clear in meditation we feel a great sense of peacefulness. Very easy for the ego to come along and grab that and 
claim it as an achievement. How good my meditation is. How glad I am to to have this experience. The feeling of ownership can move in, take over. To notice that, to recognize vinyanang anatta, consciousness is not self. There's a bright, pure state of mind, there's the knowing of it. This is not a person. Can you find a person in it? And when you look, there's no one there. There's knowing, there's the state of mind. That's all. It doesn't need to be woven into a separate individual entity. Now, even if the, these kind of reflections don't actually have the strength to break our grip, when reflecting on impermanence or selflessness, Unsatisfactoriness doesn't have the, the power to, for us to, to let go, <coughs> to cause us to let go. At least we have something to measure it against. We have a context for that. The, the desire mind is screaming, yes, but this is me. I do want it. This is mine. This is what I am. And we listen to the screaming, and gnashing, and protesting of the desire mind, and then we just sit it down next to feelings are not self. Feelings are impermanent. And then we are able to recognize, well, that's what the, the thinking mind, the desire mind, wants to be true. That's what it's saying. Maybe so. The heart still clings to that feeling. But at least we can know, be clear, that there is clinging going on, even if we can't let go. Ajahn Chah used to say that 70 or 80 percent of the practice is knowing that we should let go and not being able to. We see ourselves clinging, identifying, pursuing the beautiful, running away from the painful, opinionating about everything else. We see ourselves doing it, we hear the words come out, we feel the tension of the grip. Nothing's going to loosen it. But the very act of attention itself, simply being aware of the tension of the grip, that's the, the loosening force, that's the, the water that slowly smooths the rock of our habitual attachment. It smooths the surface 
the water slowly creeps in, smooths it all away, erodes that desperate clinging. Compulsive self-creation slowly wears it away. It's the power of awareness, like the Buddha described it, like like water dripping onto a stone. Slowly wears it away, drop by drop. Or a great jar is filled slowly, drop by drop. By constantly bringing awareness to the areas where we cling, where we get lost, where we get excited, frightened, jealous. Allowing that into our heart, holding it within the space of awareness, knowing that, slowly, slowly, we become aware of the painfulness of attachment. And then one day the heart just gets tired of all the effort of sustaining the clinging. And of its own accord the heart lets go. Renunciation isn't forced amputation. It's where the, the heart simply gets tired of clinging and loosens its grip, lets go quite naturally. It's not having something wrenched from us. It's just a gentle softening. We see the burdensome nature of carrying the world around, holding our identity our plans, our problems together. The heart relaxes, opens. And we find we've let go of something. Reflecting on dukkha. Dukkha doesn't mean just a gross pain or anguish. Just even subtle levels of incompleteness, imperfection. Not quite rightness. So even happiness can be dukkha. Pleasant feeling. When it's identified with grasped in the wrong way. A beautiful state of mind, when we claim it, we own it, can be the cause of great anguish when we try to recreate it. Really using dukkha as a reflection and to pick up any experience. If there's pain, it's obviously dukkha. But any experience that we have, using dukkha as a reflection means to say, 
can this make me permanently happy? Is this totally satisfying in every way? Is this trustworthy? Can this be depended upon? Is this a certainty? Is this unlimited, unbounded? So again, this is not a value judgment, trying to force ourselves to believe that life is miserable, and that everything is unsatisfying, but it's the way of examining Is this totally pleasant? Is this absolute happiness? Like a lens that we use to examine, scrutinize some valuable object. We use these reflections, dukkha, anicca, anatta, selflessness, not self. Uncertainty, transiency, incompleteness, imperfection. We use these principles to examine every dimension of our experience, our body, our mind. Is it this way? Was the Buddha right? Was he wrong? So these are not statements just to be believed or rejected, but explicitly used as tools to help us see for ourselves. Using dukkha as a reflection is not trying to make ourselves morose or miserable, morbid. But in exactly the same way, when we see that the heart is trying to invest in some experience, some memory, some promise, as being totally good, absolutely good, to pick that up and look at it and say, is it? In that looking, in that realizing that every experience, every event, no matter how cherished, intrinsic in it is its own limitation, its own transiency. As the heart no longer invests in that, seeks refuge in that, seeks security, identity within that, we experience release, relief, joy. If we seek for security in that which is inherently insecure, we have to suffer. If we seek satisfaction in that which cannot satisfy, in an absolute way, we have to suffer. And as we let go, 
we find where real satisfaction is, real security is, resting in that quality of awareness itself, the pure heart, knowing, listening, seeing. Free from the bondage of time, of self, identity, location. Free. Unburdened. 